Guys, as a urologist, I've seen it all. What's normal for some men may not be normal for others. If your normal down there is off because of a bend with a bump that bothers you, it could be Peroni's disease or PD. Learn more at TakeOnPD.com and talk to a specialized urologist because PD is a medical condition that you can do something about. So don't wait. Find a urologist who has been specially trained to diagnose and treat PD. Visit TakeOnPD.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And I hope you had a good week, that you're looking forward to this one. And I appreciate very much you spending time this hour with me. And just allowing yourself to really have the opportunity to be the best version of you and to enjoy even yourself and and to not have the burden of constantly feeling like you're not good enough and doing the comparing and the contrasting that we all do, especially in America, that we see the latest fad, the most current thing and who's doing what and we weigh and measure how we feel about ourselves compared to this other person And so I want to really talk today about self-esteem. Now, we've talked about this before, and a lot of it, when we did previously, we talked about it in terms of integrity, and that one of the biggest ways to boost self-esteem is to be a person of integrity. The other way that we also help with self-esteem is that we take risks. And see, God really helped me understand this when when he... when he told me, you know, that's, you know, however I can say that to you, right? Impressed upon me that the biggest risk is refusing to take a risk. And when I really realized that, I thought, wow, because if I won't risk, my world gets smaller and smaller. I become weaker and weaker, more needy, more helpless. And then what might happen? I might be more willing or compelled to lie. Now, last week we talked about why do we lie? So this week, I'm, I want to really add this to the mix here. 
that one of the ways we can really practice not lying is taking risk. And sometimes it can feel like a big risk to tell the truth. But that risk-taking is going to strengthen your self-worth and your self-esteem. And it will make you braver. So let's look at what self-esteem really is. Now, I like this. uh, I like quotes. And so the California State Task Force on Self-Esteem and Personal and Social Responsibility, this is how they define it. They say, appreciating my own worth and importance and having the character to be accountable for myself and to act responsibly toward others. I like that. Appreciating my own worth and importance, having the character to be accountable for myself and to act responsibly toward others. Now, doesn't that sound like a person you would want to know? How about this one? This is Webster's Dictionary. It says, a confidence and satisfaction in oneself. So are you confident? Are you satisfied with yourself? Now, I don't think any of us should be completely satisfied, obviously. But we have to have a certain level of ongoing satisfaction because that energy gives us the ability to take risks and to see what really we can be, all that we can be, who God truly designed us to be. So self-esteem is a state of mind. It's kind of the way that you feel and think about yourself and others. And, and it is measured by the way you act. So you, this is important, how we always talk about the insides and the outsides. And the outsides reflect my insides. No matter how many ways I try to dress up the outside, my inside is going to show. So it can also be defined as your internal belief system and how you experience life. Externally, see, high self-esteem, this is one of the more, you know, popular phrases in the English language, and it relates to having a positive sense of your inherent worth as a person. Now, I think that this is really important for us to take time with today, because some of what's been happening in our society is a very, is a huge devaluing of people. And that people are trying to give their value by changing the outside. People are trying to get their value simply by money or things or who they know or what they're accomplishing. Now, self-esteem absolutely is supported by our actions and behaviors. That is accurate. But that doesn't mean all of our actions and behaviors are who we are. This is why it's super important for you to understand having a commitment to self. Now, if you have people in your life that you are committed to, you might want to ask yourself, am I as committed to myself as I am to these people? Or am I more committed to their their well-being than to my own? So high self-esteem is really having this positive sense of your inherent worth as a person. And and this is going to be, I just want to prepare you, kind of a harsh analogy. But I use this with clients daily when we're talking about worth and value. And I say to them, even if people are not adhering to any type of religious construct, maybe they are even amoral people, 
there still is this sense that human life is valuable and that it doesn't have anything really to do with how you look, who you know, what you do, how well you do it, how popular you are. See, the value of a human being is inherent. It's not something that we created. We just know that we value humans. So I, I use this analogy. I say, you know, one of the most remarkable insights I was made aware of is that when we have someone, say, a, um, a person that has molested children, has raped children, harmed children, brutally, killed children even, and they're on death row, and they're coming up for their execution. And what I want you to know is we give them this great meal, right? And we make sure that the needles that we are using to inject a serum to take their life, those needles are always sterilized. Now, isn't that an oxymoron? We're making the way we execute them as good as we possibly can. This is how valuable humans are. You, you will help a stranger on the side of the street if they, are, if they are needing help, if they're bleeding, if they got hit by a car. We value humans, and this is imperative when it comes to self-esteem. If you don't value yourself, you're not going to be able to take the risks that you need to take in order to be the best version of you. That, that valuing of self, that thinking that you are worthwhile, you are worthy, that it isn't your behaviors that define whether or not you're valuable. It's the fact that you were made and that you are here. So self-esteem is confidence, it's self-worth, it's self-respect. And it involves respecting others. And also feeling a sense of harmony and peace within yourself. Now we've done lots of talks about self and peace with yourself and, and how to love yourself and these types of things. So what I'm wanting you to think about is self-esteem is similar to a muscle. If you don't work it, it gets weak. If it gets weak, then you're going to need a lot of external things to pump it up. And the problem is that internally, you don't have the ability or the wherewithal or the commitment to do it yourself, which causes you to be more dependent on the external world, which will cause you to lower your feelings of self-worth and self-esteem. So self-esteem affects everything you do. It reflects, quote-unquote, you to everyone whom you come in contact with. See, each of us is born with this capacity for positive feelings. But it is possible to learn not to like yourself through practice and life experiences. And this is why it's imperative that we understand this concept of humility. And we've talked about this before, that being humble doesn't mean that you are degrading or diminishing or demoralizing yourself. Humility says I know who I am, what I'm capable of, positive and negatively. I love myself, I care for myself, regardless of mistakes that I may make. And out of that, it causes me to have more success, and it causes me to love others well, 
which then causes me to always feel better about myself. See, feeling good about yourself, it's not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. And so when I say it's a luxury, see, the luxury of liking myself has to do with, wow, I think I did a really good job and I'm feeling good for this moment. Or I like how I look today. Or so-and-so noticed me. So I get a momentary jolt of self-esteem. But see, that's not really self-esteem. Self-esteem goes with me everywhere I go. It's the foundational piece that I take risks from, that I learn to love deeply, that I learn to be vulnerable and transparent with people. So I want you to think about how, how this works. So it's not this fixed or rigid state, and it kind of changes sometimes depending on your experience or how you're feeling. Now, your self-worth doesn't change, and I know this seems a little complicated, Self-worth should never change. Our worth as a human is inherent. Like I said about, you know, the whole guy that's going to, you know, be executed in jail. This is why it's not a fixed or rigid state. Self-esteem is how I'm feeling. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue understanding what is self-esteem. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thanks for joining me today. And I also want to tell you I've been enjoying this week so much activity on all, all the social media. And I appreciate so much your comments and just in getting involved. And so thank you again for that. Now, we are talking about what is self-esteem. And we want to make sure that we remind ourselves that self-esteem is not fixed or rigid. It can change depending on what you experience or how you are feeling because self-esteem is an experience in the moment. And sometimes I have a lot of it, which gives me a lot of bravery. And other times I don't have very much and I have a lot of doubt. And I get worried and afraid and timid. So self-esteem is more about a feeling where self-worth is just a fact that you are worth dying over. You are worth even a stranger losing their life in order to save you. They don't even have to know you. We just know that humans are of great value. Whether we feel it or not, that's a little different story. So most low self-esteem is caused by negative emotional reactions. See, it's not easy to reach adulthood with high self-worth and self-esteem. And there's many factors that truly come into play when, when interacting in this very complex world. So unfortunate childhood experiences can cause us to have memorized a different way of viewing ourselves. Criticism by parents, teachers, peers, your environment, the media for sure, cultural backgrounds, Society in general can cause feelings of inferiority and, and, and low self-esteem because it's quite competitive out there. So if these feelings are reinforced by negative belief patterns, but here's the, also the caveat. If these feelings are reinforced by negative behaviors, 
then you see, I begin to create truth. I make it real that I really am someone that is not of great value. And so low self-esteem can become the norm for me, which makes me more dependent and needy on people, which might cause me to do negative behaviors, trying to assuage my self-esteem, trying to feel better in the moment. Excuse me. And so this is super important that we understand that negative emotional reactions may not be true. And how many times have you heard me talk about this idea that feelings are very real, very real. They're an experience, but they are not necessarily true. So in order to have a healthy, strong, positive self-esteem, you can't be lazy with your feelings. You can't just give in to every feeling you have and believe everything that people are doing. Because all those people out there that are interacting with you, they may go home and regret what they did and what they said. So it's imperative that you recognize that first and foremost, your truth comes from God. You have to do the vertical first, and then you do the horizontal. So negative feelings and thinking patterns, you know, they can become really powerful illusions. And physical, emotional, and psychological consequences will influence that thinking, and your mind can then form certain value judgments. And the value judgments are typically going to be negative against you. So this is this self-esteem issue is a conscious and unconscious process. It's an ongoing evaluation of yourself. You're constantly, as you go through your day, figuring out, am I on top of things? Am I beneath things? Are they better than me? Do they look better than I do? Do they handle it? Do they have more money? Whatever it may be, that we are comparing and contrasting ourselves with others and then determining what our worth or value is at any given moment. So this is why it's imperative that you recognize if my self-esteem is not feeling super strong and not feeling great about myself, then I may need to take a moment and simply reset myself. Because if I continue to give in to those feelings, I'm going to probably do more negative behaviors. So again, what is self-esteem? It's appreciating your own worth and importance and having the character to be accountable for yourself and to act responsibly toward others. So everything begins in the form of a thought. And we know how powerful the whole creation experience is that God thought this. He thinks things up and they are then created. He has an idea and he makes it happen. So he thought about you. And he conceived you in his mind. And he says how beautifully and wonderfully made you are. So this is what we want to think about. Our mind is like a computer. And you've probably heard different shows that I've done where we are truly replicating our own brains with computers. And that we have to remind ourselves again that our brains don't float to heaven when we die. Our brain is simply a part of our human body. So it is fallible. So I don't want you to believe every single thing you think. And I don't want you to believe every single thing you feel. This is part of the human experience, is having thoughts and feelings. And you need 
to be a bigger person than just your brain, to be able to recognize what's going on with your thoughts and your feelings and how much are you going to buy into them, how much are you going to give into your thoughts and feelings, how much are you going to believe your thoughts and your feelings, how willing are you to test those thoughts and feelings and maybe ignore or come against those thoughts and feelings. So our mind is a computer. It, it, our, our brain sees, it hears, it feels, it tastes, it smells. That's, that's the, the sensory process that occurs in our body. It puts all that information together for us. And, and we can have this, this ongoing thinking that may be something like, oh, I can't do that, or why did I say that, or how dumb I sound, or I should have just listened, why did I open my mouth, or I look ugly today, or oh my gosh, so-and-so didn't return my phone call, or acknowledge me at the office, I wonder if they're mad at me. All these different things, you're taking in all of these, these different types of stimuli through all your five senses. And so your brain processes the information and determines how it relates to you. Now, that's really important to recognize. It processes the information and then makes a determination for me as to how it relates to me. So then I can consider whether I want to believe what my brain is telling me. So my brain is also telling me what to do consciously and subconsciously. It's working all the time for me. So our brain is wanting for us to have peace, tranquility, good feelings, inspiration, motivation, right? All those wonderful good feelings. It's always trying to make that happen for us because that's healthier for the rest of the organs in our body is if we are feeling positive. So your personal belief system has an effect on how you perform, how you do your relationships, how much satisfaction you have with your life and those in your life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of self-esteem and what it really means. Good afternoon. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And if you're just tuning in, we are halfway through the program today. So I want to encourage you to check out your favorite podcast server and look for the show's Conversations with Cynthia. Because we're on most of the podcast servers that people are using now. And I love it that you listen to the show and that you let your friends know about it. Because the best way to really impact our world is one person at a time. So we're talking about self-esteem and what that really means and what self-esteem does and doesn't do for us and how it works for us and what happens when it's not working. So I came across this really amazing poem, and it's called The Dilemma, and the author is unknown. But this goes back to the very beginning of the show when I talked to you about risks and being risk-averse or the fact that people with high self-esteem are more apt to take risks. And they also are the people that if they risk and it fails, 
They don't fall apart over it. They don't quit. They don't say, I'm never doing that again. They aren't filled with shame. They just say to themselves, wow, I'm really proud of myself that I tried. And that is what strengthens self-esteem. So in the beginning of the show, I said to you a, a really important saying that God gave me, and that's this idea that refusing to risk or, or not taking a risk is the biggest risk you could ever make. If you don't risk, you are risking not having all kinds of things that God has in mind for you. Knowing all the amazing things about you that you could be, that you could, how you could affect the world around you, if you don't take the risk, that's a huge risk of loss. So this is important that we remind ourselves about risk-taking. And I'm not saying to be ridiculously dangerous and, and, and not even thinking about what you're doing. What I'm saying is that you take a risk that says, even if I don't get the, the response that I wanted or needed or liked, I'm proud of myself that I took a risk. Every time I do that, I become more intelligent in my risk-taking. That's how it works. So let's look at this poem. It's called The Dilemma. And it says, To laugh is to risk appearing a fool. To weep is to risk appearing sentimental. To reach out for another is a risk of involvement. To expose feelings is to risk rejection. To place your dreams before the crowd is to risk ridicule. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To go forward in the face of overwhelming odds is to risk failure. Now, the person that would do all of that, I would imagine, is somebody you would greatly admire. That's the person I want you to be. I want you to be able to admire yourself not because you're perfect, not because you're the most successful person on the planet, but because you are willing to take risks and learn and you are brave. That's what risk-taking is about. Not being stupid, not being cavalier. It's about taking a risk and recognizing that it could be the greatest thing I've ever done or it could be a big failure. Either way, I learned. And either way, I can be proud of myself for the effort. So risk must be taken because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing. So he may avoid suffering and sorrow, but he actually gets more suffering and more sorrow because of how shallow his life is. Only a person who risks is free. And I thought that was so powerful to recognize. We get one life. This is it. Make the most of it. I would rather you fail so many times by living than fail by cowering. So this is imperative as we are working on this that we learn to overcome fear. And so in the next segment, we're about to the, the last segment of the show, actually, and we are going to talk a lot about 
overcoming fear. Because fear is the reason we don't take risks, right? So I'm going to give you an acronym that I've given before on this show. And it is FEAR, and think of the, the four letters in it, F-E-A-R. And this is what we tell our clients, that fear is false evidence appearing real. Now, I'm not talking about healthy fear. I'm talking about taking risks and living, living. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about overcoming fear. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. And today we are really talking about this idea of risk and this really amazing thing when we consider what it means to work on our self-esteem, to have a secure self-esteem, a strong self-esteem. And so in the last segment, we were talking about the necessity of taking risks and that Without taking a risk, you might not, like, hate yourself or be embarrassed, but you will continue to feel more and more fragile and timid. See, risk-taking is like exercising a muscle. So I don't want to be stupid in my risk-taking. That doesn't help anybody and will cause me more shame, right? But I don't want to fear it. I I don't want to just fear failure, and so I don't take any risk. That's not a life that, that is worth living. So taking calculated risk, it's a great way to build mental strength. See, doing things that scare you helps you learn to tolerate uncertainty and anxiety. Because anxiety has never killed anyone. And I frequently tell my clients that struggle with anxiety, I say, you know, it's uncomfortable. And, and it's really nothing more than the same way if you feel like you have to burp or something. It's uncomfortable. But it's not dangerous. So think about this idea that helps you tolerate uncertainty and anxiety. Because when you do that and you create a tolerance, you feel stronger. When you feel stronger, you experience life very differently. See, when you are experiencing life through a grid of fear, there's no fun in fear, right? No fun in fear, unless you're overcoming it. Then it's quite fun when you overcome it. So it provides you with a chance to sharpen your skills, to learn from your mistakes. And unfortunately, mammals of all kinds, the most successful way to learn is from a mistake. Thankfully, God knew that. And he understands the process that we go through. So a life of no mistakes is a life that is not lived. So it's imperative that we take risks. And I'm not talking about stupid risks. I'm talking about healthy risks. I don't want you to do it all in one day. But I want you to to think about how much is not taking risks holding me back and causing my self-esteem to be that much weaker. So this is how we take steps to increase your chances of success. Because when you practice these things, 
you get better at them, and you build this mental muscle. See, taking calculated risks builds mental strength. Doing things that scare you help you to learn to tolerate uncertainty and anxiety. And understand when I say scare you, I'm not talking about dangerous things, ridiculously dangerous things. I'm talking about things that, that are causing you to have your life and world feel smaller and smaller and smaller every day because you're trying to avoid negative feelings. So I'm wanting you to do things that scare you. Smile at the person at the grocery store. Wear something that that maybe you're worried might be a little crazy. Don't wear makeup someday for for women. For men, hey, why don't you just go and pursue that woman and just find out? Maybe she really likes you and you don't really know it. Until you're missing out on a wonderful partner because of your fear. So in that last segment, we talked about this acronym of fear. It's false evidence appearing real. So there are many things that the enemy of my soul, as well as myself, tells me are scary. And there are many things that I don't experience because I got too scared or I gave into my fear. So with practice, you can get better at calculating risk. And your success, your feelings of success as a viable human will increase exponentially. You'll be amazed at how much better you feel. So when we think about not taking risk and why that would be very unhealthy for us, I want you to think about the risk that God took on us. Man, talk about a risk. He risked on humans. The first humans let him down, and he took a risk and went forward anyways. So here's some things that are very important. Four ways to get over that fear and take risks in the right way. So first and foremost, we don't want to be afraid of failure. The greatest inventions, the greatest discoveries have only occurred because of the amount of failures that they had. Now, secondly, interestingly enough, don't be afraid of success. There are many people that fear success. And some of the reasons may be, if I get too successful, maybe the people in my life uh, won't like me anymore, or they won't want to interact with me anymore, or they'll feel intimidated by me. If I get too successful, maybe people will expect more success from me. Maybe I won't be able to pull it off. Maybe I'll just have one success and then people will expect so much more from me and I will fail. So they can be afraid of success because what does that imply? What kind of pressure do I put on myself if I'm, if I'm thinking that if I get too successful, I might end up letting people down? Well, if you're not successful and you're struggling with failure, you're probably letting people down as well. Mostly, though, yourself. So you want to take calculated risks for sure. So when we think about the fear of risk, this fear is often caused by traumatic experiences, of failing, of risking, and then the attempt is, is negative, 
encountering a situation maybe that even they had to risk their lives with. So when we have a fear of risk, we want to look at, you know, what might be behind that? Because I don't want you to just be cavalier and, and, and not thinking. I want you to really say to yourself, what do I really need to risk on? And these are important questions for you to ask yourself. And the best way to determine what you may need to risk on is what you feel is lacking in your life. What you feel is, is causing your life not to be as good as you would like it to be. So it might be, I should probably go back to school. I should probably take the risk, invest in that, and have the life that I want to have that I can't have if I don't have the education to do it. So what else do you need to ask yourself? What is it that, that I'm not risking because I'm afraid? Or because I feel like I'm not good enough? Or I don't measure up? So I want you to ask yourself, what do you think? Do you think risk takers are happier? Well, what we find, they, there's, there's a great, there's this amazing study that they did. And showed that people who enjoy taking risks are far more content with their lives. And this was a study that was done in Germany, and they had more than 20,000 participants from across the country. And it showed that people who enjoy taking risks are more confident with their lives. Now, the important word here is people who enjoy taking risks. See, most of those people might not have enjoyed it initially. But once they experienced it, they became stronger, more confident to take more risk. And they started to realize that a life like that is far more pleasurable and meaningful than a life that is constantly trying to avoid pain. So let's look at what are some good risks to take. Well, how about the risk of possibly being hurt. I think we all need to risk on one another. We are mistake-making people, and there is no possible way that we are not going to hurt one another. But the stronger our self-esteem, the better we manage the hurt, the better we are able to compartmentalize it or to review it and see what it was really about. Was it more about that person, or was it a weak area in me? Was it something that they pointed out that I don't want to look at? What about the risk of being real in front of people? You know, if I really let them know who I am, they might not like me. They may lose respect for me. And I can guarantee you, 99% of the time, the more honest you are with people, the more endearing you are to them. The more they understand and know you, the more they can also extend grace. See, the better my husband knows me, the more he says, yeah, I know Cynthia. Okay, she messed up, but I know her. She's going to fix it. She always fixes it. She, her character won't let her not fix it. So he knows me. Well, I know him. I know my clients. So I may say to one of my clients, I know you. You wouldn't do that intentionally. I know you. 
I know you would feel really bad about that. And this is imperative, that we be real in front of people. So that when we risk, and maybe it fails, we're able to get the support that we need. And the courage to try again. So maybe they, I'm missing, I, I'm risk, I don't want to risk because I'm missing out on something. So it's, it's imperative that I, that I say to myself, I can't do everything all at one time. So I may risk missing out on something in order to do something else. And part of the adult, having the adult part of me, recognizes I can't have everything. And many people that struggle with this end up doing nothing. And how about this last thing? People that take risks, healthy people that take risks that have high self-esteem, they take the risk of having full responsibility for their own happiness. They take that risk. They recognize that I'm responsible for it which means I can't blame anybody else. I take that risk of fully being responsible for my own happiness. And I recognize that it may not happen every single day. So think about this idea of risks that, that are healthy to take every single day. I risk the possibility of being hurt. I risk being real in front of others. I risk missing out on something new so that I can appreciate what I have. I risk helping others without expectations. I risk taking full responsibility for my own happiness. I risk the consequences of taking action. That's one to think about. And I risk the possibility of failing. I risk the possibility of being disappointed when I accept the truth. So I'm hoping that you enjoyed this and that this was helpful for you. I really enjoyed writing it and, and researching it. And so I want you to consider how important it is that you take risks, that it will truly help and strengthen your self-esteem, which will help you take more risks and better, safer, but especially healthier risks. Have a great week. God bless you. And I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com 
or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be 